Broadcasting from the great state of Michigan. Podcasting across the world and beyond. Across the world and beyond. It's the Easy Speak and Speakeasy 330 Podcast. A podcast that will go in depth on local and national news, ranging from sports to beer and barbecue. We've got you covered. Get ready for Ain't My Money, Not My Problem, where we'll make the picks, you make the money. Now, go grab your favorite beverage, sit back, and join Tom, Rich, JP, a.k.a. The Giant, and Drew. It's showtime. We are back. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. Uh, We had an off week last week because I was on vacation and uh, our good buddy Rich Jasper was uh, out somewhere in the middle of the Pacific Ocean, so uh, he wasn't able to join us. But uh, nonetheless, we're back tonight. Looking forward to it, although we will be without Rich because he's away on a work trip. So um, busy, busy, busy man these days, but uh, we're going to get this thing going. I'm uh, going to talk a little Jim Harbaugh situation, four-game suspension, put on hold. What's going on there? Will he ever get suspended? And if so, how much? So we'll hit on it. And speaking of Michigan football, they're going to get ready to start here in about a week and a half and actually two weeks. But um, what's their expectations? Uh, uh, you know, they're number two in the polls. Uh But there was another rankings that had them a little bit lower. So we're going to talk about that. We'll do a little comparison with our good buddy, Tim, the uh, fellow Buckeye fan of the house. I know. Sorry, folks. But uh, um, so that should be cool. Uh, Lions, Lions talk, uh, disappointing second uh, preseason game yesterday. There's there's a reason to be concerned. Maybe some of the backup positions aren't aren't as strong as we thought. But uh, and Tigers, man, they just they just won't die. Uh, they're like cockroaches. They, you think they're dead, but man, they come back to li- life. But uh, we're going to get this thing going. We're going to bring in our, our host here. This guy is making a huge jump tomorrow. First day of school. Really proud of him. Mr. JP, the giant, heading back to school. Um, going to teach us a lesson here when it's all said and done. What's up, buddy? <laughs> hey, what's going on, guys? Yeah, I mean... Uh, Crazy, crazy, crazy world of sports. Football is coming up, uh, but definitely yep. excited for for your new beginning. And yeah, coming live from what looks like um, maybe a dungeon of some sort, uh, Mr. <laughs> Tim. Mr. Tim, not in the speakeasy. Uh, he had he had some commitments today, but uh, nonetheless, we're glad you're here. Um, we we had to question if there was something hanging on the door or if there was yeah. some whips and chains going on back there, but. Uh, uh, he, assured us, happens, yeah, he assured <laughs> he's us, fellas. He's just gonna hang the Pornhub banner next week. <laughs> Bro- Easy speak. Brought to you by Pornhub. Uh, um, but uh, got a little crazy background there with the lions, and then um, looks like a tampon hanging off the door. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so, but we're glad you were able to come on the show tonight, Tim. Uh, uh, we were you know, questioning if, if you're going to be able to make it, it was just going to be JP and I, but we're glad, we're glad to have you. So give me a reason get... to figure out how to do the setup here. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. This is your <laughs> first time doing Remote. it remotely. So, um, and I'm not disappointed because it's about a hundred degrees out in the speakeasy. 
<laughs> I ain't got time for that. So right. um, let's get this That's train on the track. We're going to start off, like I said, Jim Harbaugh issues. Um, Four-game suspension put on hold. The, the, the school agrees. The NCAA agrees. But this other group that kind of oversees the whole situation says, eh, not so fast. Um, we need to review this even more. Um, JP, I'll start with you. You're our resident uh, Michigan guy. Uh, do you think that this suspension is going to see the light of day at some point? And if so, is it a possibility that he's looking at, you know, more than four games? Yeah, I think uh, it was just the fact that it was supposed to go in front of a committee that was going to take up to 30 days to get it get an answer back to them uh if it wasn't done before the season it wasn't going to be done obviously somebody pushed the right buttons and it wasn't done i think something will be done going into 2024 about this uh maybe something somewhere around a variety of four to six games if i had to guess i mean i have no inside information i'm just going off of what i think mm-hmm. i think it'll uphold it about four to six games which will really be a lot more uh, crucial for them next year as they bring in Texas. I, I mean, do you think that came into play with this decision, being that the, the games that he suspended are, let's face it, they won't miss him. But yeah. looking in the next year, it's 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 a much stronger uh, schedule competition-wise. So is that more of a punishment that the, the committees may be looking at? Yeah, well, I mean that's 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 hearsay, really. Uh, there's nothing. There's no telling. Um, I don't know. <laughs> you know, it's, uh, and the speechless. The university isn't talking about it right now. Uh, and Harbaugh's not talking about it. He's not. He's not. You know, due to the legalities, he can't talk to it. There's nothing you, really being leaked out on it. It's just really all speculation at this point. Did you hear somebody did ask him about it? And and they're like, can you can you talk about it? And and he goes, No. <laughs> it was like yeah. one one word answer, like no. And but wouldn't expect anything less. Nobody Harbaugh, nobody does Harbaugh. uh nobody does awkward like Jim Harbaugh. Oh there's no question about that. Um so you mentioned four to six games. Mm-hmm. Uh there have been rumors on X, we'll call it Twitter, because I'm not calling it X, um, that this is the perfect opportunity for Harbaugh to do what he's always wanted to do, jump to the NFL if he has a six-game suspension. Do you see that as a possibility? I see that. The only way I see that as a possibility is if they go out and do what some people think they can do this year and win a national championship. Yep. Because I think if you go out and you win a natty, your your mission's complete, right? And he's been very vocal about, you know, having second thoughts and, you know, wanting to pursue the NFL and mm-hmm. win that championship as well. And being so close, I mean, that would have to eat away at you. So I think, yeah, if they can go out and they can do it this year, I mean, there's a possibility that, you know, he can say, hey, you know, I'm done with all the rules. I'm ready to move on. Yeah, that makes sense. Tim, you got any thoughts on that? If if he if he goes out, if he wins a championship this year and he's faced with that suspension, do you think that's maybe ammunition for him to to make the leap? Oh, did we lose Tim? 
Oh, yeah. Well, apparently we don't have Tim. <laughs> so yeah. Never mind. Um, well, that shoot. Yeah, he's he was having some uh, internet issues beforehand, so maybe we'll get him back. Um, but I guess I guess um, that kind of leads me to my next question. I'm not, I don't know if this is a fair assessment, but um, I just feel like the NCAA likes to kind of poke and prod at Jim Harbaugh. Uh, mm. Is this warranted, or is is he the type of guy that kind of brings on that that negative attention? I think more so in the beginning of his career, you know, with the Twitter antics and the music videos and the satellite camps. And, you know, he, he kind of seems like a guy that presses every button available, you know, and yeah. uh, he's kind of been a little bit more low key and reserved uh, here within the last couple few years when he started hiring better assistants and beating Ohio State. I think it's paid dividends to him because it was all all show and no go for a while. And I think that he was kind of a target for everybody and yeah. fan bases across the country everywhere. Uh, but I think he's just, he's a little bit more laid back and reserved now, you know, obviously, you know, he's, he's not very humble and, and uh, you know, winning he's shown that before. So uh, there's a lot of people out there to get you when you're at the top, you know what I mean? You see it from the top teams in the country every there's year, our, you know, there's our good buddy, Rich, Rich Jasper on some turnpike probably in uh, northern Pennsylvania, uh, Harbaugh for president. Uh, yeah. That would be awkward. We already have an awkward guy in the White House and had one prior to him. So uh, he might be more awkward than all two of them combined. Uh, power issues, Tim. Oh, shit. That sucks. Um, well, hopefully you can get on at some point again. We'll be looking for you. Um, but, um, yeah, you know, you do mention a good point. Uh all, all show, no go. He was. I mean, sleeping yeah. on uh, recruits' bedroom floors, which is creepy in itself. Um, yeah. It seemed like he was really uh, going out of his way to, you know, be different than everybody else. And the results just weren't showing yeah. on the football field. And and since he's kind of – I think he's let his, his coaches do more of the recruiting, and, and, and it's worked for him. Um, and the world of recruiting in college football, it's a dirty game. Uh, coaches talk, players talk. I mean, there's a lot of negative, <laughs> negative press. You know what I mean? A lot of negative stuff going on out there from other schools. Right. And, you know, oh, there's you, dirty never, pool. you never know. You never know who's turning in who and, you know. Well, and, and let's face it. Um, why is these, are these allegations you know, come to the foreground. It was because a, a former uh, member of the coaching staff that, that kind of brought it to the surface. And, and so, you know, which is a whole nother problem in itself. It's that's dirty pool. I just think if you've got a beef with somebody, you take it out in different ways. You don't, you don't throw somebody under the book, the bus. Um, I don't know. Frankly is, as a Michigan fan, the, all the off-field Jim Harbaugh off-season train, it's, it, it gets old. You know what I mean? You, mm-hmm. What do you say? You don't know what to say. You, you know what I mean? It's like, you know, it's like, can we, you can't talk about on-field stuff. And it's every year, it's just something new. And it's quite frankly, it's kind of old. It's kind of like Aaron Rodgers every off-season. He's holding a team or this year, two teams hostage. And, and it's more about him than the actual game 
Same right. with Harbaugh. There's always rumors. Um, some are, you know, warranted. Some are, you know, him pursuing other, other, you know, opportunities. But, um, but yeah, I agree with you. I think, can we focus on the gameplay? Oh. Can we focus on the next season? And, and it just hasn't seemed to be the case here. Um, yeah. So, you know, looking at those possibilities, which is, it's a good possibility that there's some suspensions coming. You know, speaking of recruiting, it's a dirty business. Yeah. Are you looking at a situation where if there's even the thought of Harbaugh leaving, we're going to lose some recruits or some potential future recruits? It all depends on if there's a complete staff overhaul, you know, who you got. Uh, Michigan's always going to recruit. It doesn't. That's shown time and time again. You know, Rich Rod was able to get people here. Brady Hoke was able to get people here. Lloyd yeah. Carr certainly did. Harbaugh. I mean, it's the brand and, you know, it's the, the biggest alumni base there is out there. The brand speaks for itself. It doesn't, it doesn't really matter who's coaching here. They, they're they going to recruit here. So I don't think not too much, no. Well, didn't they lose a couple couple potential recruits in the last week, like some three stars? I think they lost a couple guys that were committed. No, there's just uh... – well, there was one guy that went to Miami, and, you know, that's a whole different story. You know, mm-hmm. Miami's Miami has the real bag man at, uh, you know, the paying the guys behind the scenes or whatever, allegedly, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They, they've lost they've lost the defensive end of Miami two years in a row. And there, there's, you know, there's crystal balls for a couple committed kids right now that are twins to maybe wind up at Kentucky, but nothing's final till it's final. Like I said, there's – the world of recruiting is a whirlwind when you're dealing with 16 and 17 year old boys. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, yeah, I mean, and especially yeah. in the in the day of, of NIL, I right, mean, right. you might get an offer from this school, and that school hears what the offer is and says, "I can better that." You know, and again, and we've gotten into that with on other shows about, you know, is NIL killed, you know, college football, which you know. It, pretty much has it's taken all the traditions out of it but um so uh yeah. we do have we do have our uh dungeon uh, representative back <laughs> of his his yeah, mcdonald's wi-fi from uh from drew uh <laughs> is improved um right. but real quick before before we get on to uh the next topic um i asked you before you went um before you went froze (laughs) before Medusa got a hold of you. Um, If, you know, they win a national championship and he gets a a multi-game suspension next season, is that, is that excuse for him to say, you know what, I've done enough here. I'm going to go back and, and win the next uh, uh, loop in my belt. I, uh, I believe so. No. He's always shown interest for the NFL, so if he uh, gets the opportunity to go and they suspend him, I definitely think he's going to take the opportunity to win or lose with him. Okay. Yeah, I mean, but I guess that all depends on if they win. And, boy, yeah. I, I know there's there's uh, three guys on this show, uh, one, not, one being yeah. in a car headed to uh, Pittsburgh uh, that would be really happy about that. So, uh, But moving on, and we're going to stick with the Michigan theme. Um. Got expectations. We got comparisons. Michigan football, like I said at show start, number two in the AP poll. 
But number six in ESPN's uh, power index, which which seems really interesting to me, they've got Ohio State at number one with a new quarterback. Or who's going to be that quarterback? We'll get into that here uh, in just a minute. Um, like I said, number six in this this ranking, which is interesting to me. Um, JP, what what might be some of the reasonings as to why they kind of dipped so low in that rating? Uh, I'm not really sure because looking at Michigan's roster and depth chart, I mean, they return pretty much all their key players from last year. Uh, maybe not the glitz and the glamour of most college football teams these days with the spread offenses and the run and shoots and those kind of things. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't, I couldn't, I can't really answer that for you. Uh, maybe because they've kind of fallen flat in the college football playoff the last two years, they just, they don't have maybe faith that they can get over that hump. Right. Uh, yeah. I'm not sure uh, if, if this is, this is Harbaugh's best team. So if he's going to get it done this year, this yeah, is I mean, the year. And they got the game at home, which I guess that didn't matter last year in Columbus. Right. Um, and, and then I'll come to you, Tim. Uh, Ohio State's number one in this ranking. New new quarterback, regardless of who it is this year, and I'll let you speak on that. Um, is this is this a fair representation of what this football team could possibly be? They got the offensive weapons to do it. You know, they're supposed to have a top ten defense this year, but we heard that last year too with Jim Knowles. So we'll see about that. But I don't understand why they're number one. You have the new quarterback, regardless of who it is. You know, Georgia is going to be Georgia again and can't beat Michigan. So I don't know what Ohio State's doing. <laughs> so new quarterback, Cal uh, McCord was the projected starter. Now we have uh, Devin Brown, I believe his name is. is. It seems to be getting a lot of attention these days. Um, looking really good in camp from what from people have said. Uh, one guy went as far as to say he guarantees he's going to win at Heisman before his, his tenure at Ohio State's done. Um, what's going on in the quarterback room down in Columbus? Is, is there a competition, or 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 is McCord going to get the job? In the springtime, Brown had surgery, so it was kind of a McCord's job to lose. And Harrison was also flirting with transferring to USC if uh, McCord wasn't the starter. So I don't know if there was a little, you know, make McCord the starter to keep Harrison happy kind of thing going on or not. Yeah. I just hope. Brown taking the job from the court is because Brown is the phenom and not taking the court and down both sides. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you can, you can make an argument that the Harrison talk, you know, there, there was, it was hot. Their rumors were hot. There was a lot of USC people even saying he's coming here. And, you know, Ohio state probably had to do what they had to do to make sure that he stayed. Yeah. And, yeah. and, but for the sake of of you know hurting the program, I I'm not sure if that's that's the smart move. Um, McCord and Harrison were teammates in high school too, so I don't know if they have sure. like a real friendship that goes back to high school or you know if they're just football teammates. Well, I I can assure you that that fr- friendship won't mean anything if McCord starts out and and I mean <laughs> they've got they've got a, a tough schedule. They go into Notre Dame, and that's going to be a that's going to be a tough game, and and if he doesn't show results, if he hasn't been pulled at that point, 
I'm sure there will be grumblings for it. The most popular man on campus is the backup quarterback. Yeah, that's true. That's very Texas, true. Texas will have the same situation going on. Yeah, well, I mean, not not every program has a high profile uh, kid that's you know clamoring. You know, not only his dad, but his uncles, I'm sure, are clamoring with uh, Manning. There, uh, that's going to be you know, uh, Ewers is going to be a, a former Buckeye here. Uh, he's going to be on the hot seat. There's no question about it. And and you're right that the most important. I think that goes with any sport. Uh, your backup goalie, your backup quarterback in the NFL—they're—they're they're the guys. So most popular person. Uh, yeah. So you mentioned before we we know your your affinity for the wide receiver room down in Columbus. <laughs> I, I think it's safe to say Ann Arbor houses the best running back room in the country. Um, so we're going to compare these offenses and and, and maybe see why. Why um, OSU's at number one and Michigan's at number six? And and JP, we're going to start with you. The running back room. I mean, take it away. You just you run with it because yeah, those boys can run with it, and we know that. Yeah. So I mean, obviously, you know, uh, it's well noted what Blake Corum did. Uh, he essentially carried the team through the first three quarters of the season before he. He blew his knee out. Uh, you know, Donovan Edwards, you got to see a more electric side. Uh, he's more of a pass catcher out of the backfield. I think they're going to use him in uh, a lot of different ways like that. I heard that there's a package together with both of them on the field, which is going to cause fits for defenses. And I mean, you look at the back end. Uh, C.J. Stokes is a guy, sophomore out of South Carolina, that got some run last year. Uh, it's very interesting to see who that third running back is going to be. Uh, Kalel Mullings is a guy that came over from the defensive side that they used for a lot of short yardage downs last year. And then uh, a guy who really did good. Pass? Didn't he make the pass yeah. last year uh, on yeah, that jump pass? Yep. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, on the back end, you got Benjamin Hall, a freshman who looked really good in the spring, who could add some depth. And then uh, Cole Cabana, obviously a local product out of Dexter, uh, who's uh, kind of fits that Donovan Edwards mold of, a really fast kid that can catch the ball out of the backfield and uh and he can give you 15 to 20 carries a game. Okay, Tim. You the running back room down in Columbus, that it's it's nothing to, you know, nothing to shy out right. against. There you got some good studs down there. Talk about the room down there. I, I think Michigan definitely has the better running back room, but I think Ohio State has the deeper room with Henderson, Williams, Dalen Hayden, Xavier Johnson, and Evan Breyer. You know, we got five running backs that can start at any D1 program, basically. But none of them are on the level of the Michigan backs. Right. But uh, I expect two of those guys to actually transfer at some point because of his wanting to play. Henderson has an injury history, so who knows if he's going to stay healthy. Mayan Williams has an injury history. I, uh, both running backs are good. They just have injury problems. <laughs> well, and they needed by the end of the season, they they were digging yeah. deep into that depth chart. Around Dalen Hayden, the true freshman. Yeah, but that's you know, and he looked really well. He looked really good playing. But um, you know, it's a good problem to have. But you know, I unbiased here. I I just think what we've seen, what we've seen prior to Corum's injuries, and then what um, Donovan did. 
beyond that, I mean, you're talking about a guy that had a wrap on his hand and, and we weren't sure if he was going to play against Ohio State last year. And, and, you know, the rest is history. We know what happened. Um, so it's noted, Tim, the wide receiver room loaded in Columbus. Talk about your, your guys down there. Uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. obviously is going to be a top five pick, you know, probably arguably a top two. Michael Buka is going to be a top 15 pick. Julian Funny will probably be a second round pick. Then you got two freshmen, Carnell Pate and Noah Rogers, both five star kids. It's just reloading the receiving room in Columbus. They have 17 receivers on the roster right now. So, oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Abuka come out last year, and I think he was he was one that made a name for himself as the season progressed. Especially when Smith and Jigba went down, they were kind of looking for, you know, his maybe not replacement, but somebody to come in and 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 put up numbers. And I I, I think he really did. And um, we see the see the past few years with Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson and the JSN and the Marvin Harrison and the Mecca. Well, Olave Olave was what a two star. Two, three star coming in, and and we know what we know what he turned out to be. He's down in New Orleans, uh, tearing it up in the preseason. But uh, JP, we've got. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. I was say his coming out game against Michigan. He had two blocked punts and two touchdowns. That's how Chris Olave got put on the map in Columbus. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was three years ago. (laughs) Uh, JP, I think the wide receiver room here in Michigan is is a little more experienced. Cornelius Johnson. Um, coming back to play, you know, he kind of had a big game against Ohio State, a couple of touchdowns, if you know what I mean. Uh, his yeah. coming out game. Um, talk a little bit about some of the other receivers that Michigan has. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned Cornelius. Uh, he's a bigger receiver. You've seen what he can do. Uh, Darius Clemens has got a sophomore kid that's probably gonna you're probably gonna see a lot of this year. Uh, he had came from the mold of a DK Metcalf type body style coming out of high school. Uh, who his favorite player, uh, Roman Wilson, uh, you've seen him go off in the TCU game. I think that's a guy that they got to get the ball to more. I think he's a threat. Uh, then guys that are coming on Tyler Morris is a sophomore. Uh, he played with JJ in uh, Illinois before he transferred to IMG getting rave reviews in camp. Uh, and they really like their freshman group, Carmelo English, uh, freshman out of Alabama. He's looked good. Fred Moore, another freshman from Missouri. And then you have uh, Samaj Morgan, who is going to be a slot-type uh, expert there for years to come from West Bloomfield. They say that kid looks pretty good, too. Uh, overall, I think it's a decent room. Uh, we don't have the Marvin Harrison Juniors of the world. Uh, had kind of proved to not really matter lately anyway, but uh, – yeah, it's a solid room, uh, and it's it's a young and up and coming room. Okay, I, I, unbiased opinion. Obviously, Ohio State. I think you could probably agree with me. JP has yeah. the edge uh, just from overall um, talent. They've, I mean, they've got yeah. the better name and and potential. So I'll definitely give them the nod. Um, tight end room. We've got a young guy that kind of showed up big time toward the end of the season. Uh, JP, talk about the tight end room there in Ann Arbor. Yeah, so obviously, you know, it all starts with Colston Loveland. Uh, seems like Michigan's been putting out some pretty good tight ends as of late. I think Colston Loveland's a guy that you project to catch 50, 60 balls this year, multiple touchdowns. 
And then you bring over A.J. Barner from Indiana. He was team captain. Uh, gives you some depth. You know, he's another target. Good in the run block. Matthew Hibner, a uh, guy that's been in the program for a little bit, I thought looked pretty good in the spring. Uh, that You know, that if they ever wanted to go to a 2-3 tight end set, they got depth there. And Marlon Klein's a redshirt freshman guy that redshirted last year who's supposed to be of the Colston Loveland type, uh, just putting weight on, trying to develop a little bit more. But, yeah, I really like their tight ends, and uh, I think the future is bright there at that position. Okay. I mean, Loveland's got, got you know, he's Eric All there last year, although he was injured, he didn't play much. Right. But then Luke Schoonmaker, who, yeah, you know, as the year progressed, he really uh, looked really well and then decided to go pros, and he's a he's a cowboy. They, they seem to love him down there. So I agree. Yeah. They've, they've been putting out some tight ends. Uh, Tim, talk a little bit about – some of the tight ends to look out for down there in Columbus. You have a uh, G Scott jr. Who I believe is going to be a junior this year. You know, he should be having a breakout season with a new quarterback who knows. And then you have Cade Stover, who is really good. We just can't stay healthy. Seems to get hurt every year early on. They do have a true freshman. His name's slipping my head right now, but he's been having a really good camp. He was the first one to lose his black stripe. He's officially a Buckeye team camp. He lost it like three or four days of camp. So mm. his name's slipping my head right now, but he, hopefully he takes over the starting role as a freshman. But overall, I think Michigan probably has a better room just because that offense they run. <laughs> well, I think the tight end position is probably uh, it, it, it's the sexy position, it seems. And and, and if you, you look to the NFL and, and, and I'm not saying this because he's a nice looking man, Travis Kelsey. That's not what I mean. Uh, he's kind of uh, reimagined the position. I mean, this is a huge, these, these guys are huge um, and they're athletic and they can run routes and they can block too. So, you know, you're starting to see the evolution, which to me is one of the big reasons why the running back position kind of is, is lost a lot of its luster because the tight end position is kind of it's been reimagined and in, in, in most of the offenses in both college and in the pros so I think it's no secret J.J. McCarthy as the season progressed last year he really came on and um, you know I just couldn't get the job done against TCU although I don't think that was really his fault um, but I think we know what we're going to get out of him I, I'd, I'd like to see some more Downfield, that's like let's see him throw the ball a little bit more, and I think the expectations are that might happen. JP, what 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 is your expectation with with JJ McCarthy? Yeah, I think uh, they're going to go to more of a 50-50 style. Uh, I think it was sixty forty style with the run last year. Uh, you know, he's got all the starts under his belt now. He's an experienced quarterback. You look around the country, you know, teams like Ohio State, Alabama, Penn State, you know, top ten preseason teams that are rolling out new quarterbacks uh so jj's actually one of the guys in a big time program right now that is actually returning uh, i think you know as long as they can let him air it out a little bit more as long as he can be more accurate on the deep balls you know i don't i don't see a reason why he can't throw for three thousand yards and somewhere around 25 touchdowns or north of it i mean you know what he can do with his feet uh he, he's going to cause a lot of problems like i said you got edwards and Corum back there should be a lot of <laughs> layup easy throws for him this year. <laughs> oh, and, and like you mentioned, you know, 
two tight end sets. I mean, yeah. they line up two tight ends and the two boys in the backfield. Yeah. That looks pretty good for Cornelius Johnson or, or whoever else is on the other side uh, for deep yeah. routes. And um, one thing I will say about J.J. McCarthy, he's kind of a throwback. In the day and age we have today where kids don't go to schools for traditions, he wanted to be at Michigan, and he loves being at Michigan. And there's no threat of him transferring. Um, very humble kid. Does his, you know, meditation before games. I don't know if that's, you know, um, smoke and mirrors. But he just seems like he's a really good kid who loves the university and is a great representation. So I'm looking forward to seeing his development. I think I've seen a ranking a couple of weeks ago, and they had him like number 11 overall. Uh, quarterbacks in in college, yeah. which I, I I don't know if I agree with. I think that might be a, a little bit low, but that could be fuel for him to say, you know what, you don't give me credit, let me show you that I belong in the top yeah. ten. Put it on um, the field, exactly. And I think he's that type of kid that that he's not going to talk. He's just going to let his his game uh, speak for him. So, um, Tim, you know, you talked about the, the different quarterbacks here. McCord or um, Brown, just give me who you feel is the better fit for this program. Uh, I would probably lean Kyle McCord just because of the experience. Kevin Brown had zero game reps as a collegiate athlete, so just based off experience, I would have Kyle McCord. But I mean, Brian Day is obviously a quarterback guru. We see what he does with every quarterback he's had so far, so. I'm going to trust his opinion, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> and, and and I can hear Rich Jasper right now. That beard looking like Ryan Day these days. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, working, I'm working on it. <laughs> Ryan, fake-ass rip yeah. uh, day uh, from Yellowstone. The <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I mean, I think the bottom line is both programs are loaded. Yeah. I mean, so says the AP, Michigan 2, Ohio State 3. Um, or four in some some instances. So I, I think really when it's all said and done, it's coming down to the last Saturday in Ann Arbor. And we didn't even uh, talk about the offensive line, the big boys. Do we need to? Uh, I, I mean, have... hey. JP? Uh, hey. JP? Tell me about the, 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 the back-to-back more offensive line. <laughs> Back to back, Joe Moore. Yeah, off, let's. Uh, let's are, are they going to win? Are they going to win a third oh. Joe Moore award? Well, I think so. I mean, I think they can. Obviously, uh, you know, you lose a guy like Olu, who's a Remington Award winner, you know, and then you replace him with a guy like Drake Nugent, who's a team captain from Stanford, already on the Remington watch list. Uh, you return Zach Center and Tre- Trevor Keegan. They're both seniors. Uh, Zach Center's got a chance to make some good money in the NFL. Uh, so, yeah, and then you lose Ryan Hayes at left tackle. You flip Carson Barhart, Barnhart over from right to left. Uh, he's battling it out with Ladarius Henderson, who's, who's a transfer from Arizona State, who is, again, a team captain, three-year starter. Uh, then you got Miles Hinton at right tackle, who's a mammoth human being, uh, transfer from Stanford. And then you look at, you know, the depth, like Trente Jones, Giovanni Elhade, uh, Darius Henderson, Jeff Percy. These are all guys who started a game. So you have your front line and then you have your backups who all got starting experience. Uh, Harbaugh's even said that Drake Nugent and Greg Crippen are both starting centers. Crippen, 
who's been waiting his turn, who's supposed to be a really good one. So there, when it comes to the offense, you know, I, I, I can't, I don't think we could have skipped this segment without me talking about the offensive line because, you know, like Ohio State's, like Ohio State's receiver room is so strong, you know, nobody gives credits to the big uglies. And I wanted to talk about that because yeah. their offensive line uh, runs too deep. And I, I don't think there's another team in the country that has that. So would you say that out of the last three teams, this could potentially be this the best be. O-line? This could be very well. Yeah, I think so. Uh, like I said, you know, adding Miles Hinton, Drake Nugent, Henderson, all from the transfer portal. I mean, you not only are you replacing the guys that you're losing, you're replacing them with pretty much upgrades and better athletes. So, yeah, this one, this one has a chance to be really good, and they're going to look really good with the guys that they have running behind them. Mm. Well, you know, our good buddy Rich Jasper always says games won and lost in the trenches. So – and, and one thing I will say, uh, which I'm going to stop for a second and just acknowledge, you're a freaking savant. Uh, your knowledge is just, like, ridiculous. Um, who else has that on a, a non-backed podcast? You're not going to find us anywhere but right here in the Easy Speak, and we yeah. are thankful that you're here. But um, yeah. Michigan's going out and getting transfers. They're not just getting regular guys. They're getting team captains. Yeah. You're getting the guys that are best at their position. And that kind of shows you the state of the program right now, that these yep. kids are – they're already achieved where they're at, but they just want to achieve a little bit more, and, and this look is at where they're the, coming. Look at the transfers on the defensive side of the ball. You know, the whole thing, the whole offseason, you know, who's going to be opposite corner, Will Johnson, you know. We know that Mike Sainer still is going to be the nickelback. You know, and they go out and they get a guy like Josh Wallace from UMass who was – highly touted by a lot of the big programs in the country, multiple year starter. And he looks like he's going to be your guy opposite, you know, uh, Will Johnson. And then they go out and they get Ernest Houseman, who was the best freshman linebacker in the big 10 last year at Nebraska, you know, and he's behind guys like Michael Barrett and junior Colson. And he's got few years of eligibility left. And then you throw Josiah Stewart into the mix from coastal Carolina edge rusher, you know, so now you're running, you're rotating Jalen Harrell and uh, Braden McGregor, Derek Moore, a guy who I talked about from Maryland, who's going to have a big sophomore year. And a name that I want you guys to remember is Kenneth, Big Kenneth Grant. He's a sophomore from Indiana, number 78. He fits the mold of Jordan Davis. He's 6'6", 340. Mm. And he's a mammoth kid that can really move. Uh, Mason Graham, you know, returning as a sophomore, uh, He's probably one of the best players out of Serve White High School in that Southern California area. Chris Jenkins, they call him the mutant first-round grade. Uh, uh, this, there's a lot to be excited about here. Yeah. Uh, and I get excited just listening to you talk about it, uh, seeing your excitement. Um, yeah. Uh, Tim, can you Ohio follow State that up? Ohio can you follow State that up? Offense. Ohio State don't have an offensive line. They actually have three or four injuries happened in us. Fall camp, so quarterbacks will be running for their life, whoever it is. Oof. You know, we lost Paris Johnson, third overall of the Cardinals, so we lost our anchor a lot tackle. Yeah. But their offense line is by far the worst position group on their team. You know, and like in Michigan, you know, Ohio State, they get the stars and they get the recruits, but, you know, Ben Herbert is one of the very few million dollar a year strength and conditioning coaches in the country. You know, and that, you take those kids that are fringe fringe three-star, four-star kids, and you turn them into five stars. 
you know, and you see, especially seen it with the old linemen, even like, you know, guys like Mozzie Smith, you know, that, that guy was an absolute freak show. And a lot of that credit goes to Ben Herbert. Well, you think about it, you know, they come into the college program, they don't eat right. They don't, you know, they work out, but it might not yeah. be uh, healthy for their position. So they get them on these programs that kind of get them on the right path. And, and yeah, yeah it, it, and he's been with the program a couple of years and, and I think you can see the difference and just the, 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 the lack thereof of injuries for the most yeah. part. Uh, yeah. You're going to have some injuries, but I think overall Michigan has, has kind of escaped the injury bug. We, you know, obviously Corum going down last year was yeah. unfortunate, but, um, but yeah, I mean, you're, you're right. You bring up a good point. You know, you see the players on the field, but nobody really talks about the behind the scenes, you know, the preparation that it takes. Right. And, and if we can kind of slide off topic slightly here, you'll look watching the, the, the documentary quarterback on Netflix, Patrick Mahomes workout regimen, his Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday workout regimen is absolutely ridiculous. And if you haven't seen it, I, I highly yeah. recommend it. Um, you don't look at Patrick Mahomes as, ah, he's not big, he's not huge. Well, no, this guy is strong as an ox, and the the conditioning that he that he puts himself through, um, I think is the reason why they won the Super Bowl last year. Um, high ankle sprain, uh, most players, they're done. They're not coming back uh, at all, let alone coming out for the second half. So conditioning matters. And and getting these these players prepared for the the, the brutality that is football, um, I think is a, is a great point, JP. And I thank you for bringing that up because you know not yeah. enough credit goes to you know the the, the guys that aren't seen on the football yeah. field. So. You know, it's like a lot of people they look at you know they don't look at the broad spectrum of things. You know, mm-hmm. like a guy like Derek Moore, who I talk about, who's lost twenty three pounds, who's stronger, faster. You know, going into his second year, you know, a guy like Kenneth Grant, who's 340 pounds, but, you know, it's like running into a brick wall. You know what I mean? They, or Chris Jenkins, who start, who came to Michigan, who's at 300 pounds now, was a 220-pound defensive end when he came to Michigan. You know, it, these things develop over time. Sure, sure. And their bodies are still growing, so it's the perfect opportunity. Right. But uh, nonetheless, I mean, it's going to be a fun season, and it kicks off. Um, kicks off next Saturday, actually. Uh, we'll get into that a little bit later. But uh, for Michigan, it's uh, two weeks away. And Buckeyes are in a couple weeks. Who do they open up against? At Indiana. At Indi- They're opening at Big Ten Big play. Yep. That's at interesting. Indiana. I don't know if I, I think, like that. Did they do that last year? Yeah, they played uh, Minnesota, I believe. Yeah. yeah. What is it? Nebraska and Minnesota are playing. They're starting yeah. the season. I don't like right. that. I don't, I don't, Ohio, I don't Ohio State's first six games are three at home and three in the state of Indiana. Yeah. One Indiana. being in South Bend. Yeah. One in South yeah. Bend and then the other one to do. Sweet. So, yep, we're looking forward to this season to get going. We're looking forward to another season here. The good old Pontiac Pussycats. Lots of hype. You want to talk about hype train? There's a lot of hype for this team. Uh, the NFL certainly believes that. But man, they didn't look good yesterday. Uh, I witnessed it firsthand. It was awful. Uh, but I missed it. <laughs> now, yeah. before I get too far ahead of myself, it was mainly – I don't think there was many starters playing at all. No. Um, so, not really getting freaked out about that. 
But the question really is, Teddy Two Gloves look god awful. He's hasn't on. He's only been with the team about a week, week and a half. I'll give him that. But Sudfeld came came in. He he. They led them to the only touchdown, but he didn't look any better. And um, maybe their secondary looked a little concerning. But uh, JP, is there reason? To look at the backups and 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 maybe be a little concerned, especially if golf goes down. Are are, are we looking at a ugly season if that happens? Yeah, I mean uh, the Lions are a good team. They're a good developed roster, but they're not a deep team right now. You know what I mean? Yeah. And when you look at the starters, you know, like you got Marvin Jones, who's probably going to have to play some. You know, given our cir- circumstances, Amon Ra, uh, Josh Reynolds, who has good rapport with. Uh, Jared Goff and Khalif Raymond. But you go after that, you got undrafted Dylan Drummond, undrafted Maurice Alexander, Trinity Benson, Avery Davis, undrafted Chase Cota, Antoine Green. Uh, That wide receiver room is a little thin, to say the least. Uh, And then even, you know, on the offensive line, you got, you know, Graham Glasgow, who's a good, good assurance guy, but yeah, they're, they're in, they're in the stage of building a good roster, but they're not a deep roster yet. Yeah, I mean, and and we know the football season, NFL, man. You're there's injuries left and right, and and um, we had a friend text yesterday, like if golf goes down, we're in trouble. But uh, yeah, Tim, like, are, what is your concern level? Seeing, I, I get it, it's preseason, and 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 I think Bridgewater will kind of figure it out. Um, annoying as hell, by the way, that he's wearing number fifty because <laughs> they have to. They have to announce it before the start of every possession. Number 50 is the quarterback. No yeah. shit. But um, <laughs> but are you concerned with, uh, like JP said, the depth of this team? Yeah, yeah, the depth will be a big issue if it comes down to it. You know, golf gets hurt or St. Brown gets hurt. There's nobody behind them that we can rely on to carry the team for a few weeks. That's any position on the line. Right now, JP said it best for a building team. Right. Uh, now, I'm a big fan. I'm a, I'm a big fan of Chase Coda. I believe he's going to make the team. And I believe within he played years, well yesterday. He had a nice believe, return. I believe he'll be the number two receiver behind Brown within a few years. So, wow. well, in a few years. Well, he had a nice return, and and I believe he caught the touchdown uh, yesterday as well. Tim, so. I will say that if Chase Coda is number two receiver in a few years, then we are trending in the wrong direction, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, uh, <laughs> then the, the Bears are going to bypass us, and uh, yeah. that's just yeah. – Bears are nipping on our heels right now. We 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 need to upgrade that position Yeah, quick. But speaking of receivers, it's no secret, J-Mo, he's had some bad luck. Uh, injury, obviously, tears uh, blows out his knee in, in, in his, his last year at Alabama, which uh, hindered him last season, uh, gets caught up in uh, – Online gambling scandal, six-game suspension, other things that um, he's been seen on camera. And then he, or he gets his uh, hamstring injury. But the one thing is, he seems to be getting a lot of hate these days, specifically from local sports radio announcers. I won't mention names. Uh, you know who you are. Good afternoon. I'll just leave it at that. Um, but... My question is this, is it warranted? And number two, have we seen enough him of him on the field to already throw him in the uh, bust train, 
Tim, I'll start with you and then I'll go to JP. You know, I texted it to you guys a few days ago with the word bust. And then I heard it up on a local radio host. Uh, unreliable is a better term for Jamal right now. Every time you meet him, he's not there. It's a coworker that calls in sick every day, once a week. It's a coworker that's a flat tire. The coworker that don't want to show up. Jamal's just unreliable right now. Can't really label him a bust. We haven't seen enough of him. <coughs> unreliable. JP is is his hate. I'll say it. It is it fair and. Like I said, is have we seen enough of this guy to even be able to kind of make that decision? Yeah, I think we're just at the part of the year where the media is kind of bored right now and grabbing uh, straws. Yeah, they're grabbing straws, and then the you know the anticipation for the kid. He came in with a knee injury. You know what I mean? He's uh, now he's facing a suspension. I think fans are a little bit restless, is what I would say. Uh, they're kind of ready to see the kid. I mean, you moved up to get him at 12. Uh, you passed on Jordan Davis. I mean, one to watch closely is going to be Christian Watson, a guy who was drafted at number 34, a pick that you traded. You know, you traded 32. You could have had him. So it'll be interesting to compare their career side by side. Uh, you know, and you wonder, you know, with the maturity issues and whatnot, if he has the work ethic to be a pro, I mean, he, the, you know, Calvin's trying to mentor him. Teddy Bridgewater's trying to mentor him. You know, Antoine Randall, you know, it's like this guy needs a whole security team of uh, mentors. So it's kind of alarming. Uh, I'm ready to see the kid play, though. I think that if they can be good and he can come back and contribute, it's just icing on the cake, really. Who was the receiver in Dallas? What was his name that um... – had all the glitz, but his outside um, activities kind of got him in trouble. And they the the Cowboys actually assigned him a a detail to kind of follow him around. What was his name? Oh, Des Bryant. Des Bryant, yes. Yeah. Des Bryant. He reminds me of Des Bryant. All the talent in the world, but can he put that together? Can he can he get it right between the ears? Yeah. And and because if you're not right up top, it, it's going to affect your 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 play on the football field. But, you know, I agree with you guys. I, I We haven't seen enough of them. Um, yeah, I don't think you could put a better group around him with Calvin. And and Bridgewater is a very well respected player around the NFL. And it seems like he's going to take him under his rooms, under his wings. He had nothing but high praise for him. Uh, an oppressor the other day. So I, I, I think hearing those words of endearment, I, I think that'll go a long way with a kid who, I mean, let's face it, he's he doesn't have maybe the best direction. And, and having these guys kind of mentoring him should help, or, or at least you you hope will help. Um, right. But obviously those are names that we know, the Jared Goffs, the Amon Ra, like you mentioned. JP, tell me about maybe a player or players that are under the radar that maybe we don't hear about too often that are going to be impactful for this upcoming season. Yeah, I think in the preseason so far, you know, ones that we've kind of been watching are the Acora brothers. Uh, you know, they've oh, dealt yeah. with their their health injuries and their health issues and whatnot. And, you know, I think that if they can, they you know, there's no telling what Charles Harris is going to do. Uh 
You know, Josh Pascoe coming in the second year has a little bit of experience, but if they can get some production off the edge from the Okora brothers, that would really bolster them. And then another one is Broderick Martin, uh, the rookie that they drafted out of Western Kentucky, I believe, at uh, defensive tackle. He is a big fellow, uh, and uh, they they need those run stuffers, those guys in the middle, because you know, in games like Carolina, they showed you that they had some vulnerabilities up the middle. Yep. Uh, against defenses, and then, uh, and then that's really it for me. It's the defensive players. I think all the the offense is pretty well noted. Uh, you got your starters, and then you have a bunch of uh, undrafted guys that we'll have to wait and see, right? Yep. Tim, you got any players that that you've kind of picked out as as maybe some diamonds in the rough? We'll say. I like the cornerback, Starling Thomas, out of UAB. He's uh, done nothing but show out in camp so far. He's actually number two right now on the depth chart with uh, Sutton being hurt. So an undrafted free agent being number two on the depth chart, either really good or the Lions have no depth at corner, which we know they address the secondary and free agency. Yeah. And, uh, I'm a fan of Chase Coda. You know, it's his time to shine. There's no receivers yeah. really besides Brown. I uh, just a big fan of him. Like I said, he's going to make the team, and I believe he'll have an impact this year. I'm waiting for the Tom Kennedy reset. When you know, he's, yeah. it's only a matter of time before he's he's back with the team. <laughs> matter of yeah. fact, I think he's isn't he isn't he back on as like he's going to be on the practice squad or something. Yeah. He'll he'll no matter he he might be all the uh, at all the uh, collecting carts, um, <laughs> but then the Lions, hey, Tom Kennedy, yeah. oh we yeah we got a spot for you so. Um, I tell you who, who I like, uh, and, and seeing him play yesterday was, uh, Stephen Gilmore, uh, the brother of, of, now this is, this is interesting. It's like Stephen or it's Stephen Gilmore for the Stephen Lions. Gilmore, right? And that's his brother is Stefan Gilmore, yep. but the yeah. way they, they're, they, they're spelled very similar. It's, it's, it's strange. He's a rookie he out of Marshall. Yep, he had a pick yesterday, and uh, I believe he had a nice punt return. He looks pretty good out there. Um, and yep, corner corner uh, is a concern for yep. sure. Uh, and I'm gonna go back to the guy last year that only played seven games, James Houston. He was he was a beast yesterday. It seemed that he was in on yeah. every tackle. Um, and and I don't know why he doesn't get the publicity he deserves. Being what did he have? Eight sacks in seven games. Yeah, I mean, I this nine, guy nine and a half, nine and a half sacks in eight games, or something like that. Yeah, that that's 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 off the chart numbers for for a guy that was drafted what sixth round out of Jackson State. So yeah. um, eight sacks. I'm sorry, eight sacks. Yeah, I mean, this yeah. is it's it's this is a kid that you can plug him in and he, and he's gonna he's gonna do well, and you wonder what those numbers would have been if he had played a full season. Um, but you put him on the other end with, with Hutchinson, who I think is going to have an absolutely ridiculous year. Uh, I think that makes him even more primed for some more sacks. So, and you guys um, are talking about uh cornerback depth, you know, that I was kind of wondering, you know, when, when we were going to get to see Emmanuel Mosley, you know, a guy, a guy that we signed out of San Francisco who played pretty good ball out there. You know, I know he's coming off an injury and we have him signed for one year, but, you know, you're kind of wondering when you're going to get to see him, see him get in there. Yeah. I mean, he's a high profile guy. One of the big names they brought in in this off season. Yeah. So you wonder if they're just kind of like waiting on him. They're not 
taking any risks. Um, And then they're going to kind of unleash him as the season goes. But it's a good point. Um, If he's healthy and on the football field, I think that makes them uh, a better team for sure. So moving on, talk about a roller coaster season. Uh, We're, what, 80% done with the season. Tigers are 10 games under 500. Face value, that's nothing to to be hey about, right? But looking at this roster and what we've kind of had to play with, they're a game and a half out of first place, or second place, I'm sorry, after taking three of four in Cleveland where it's no secret that place has been a house of horrors for the Tigers in previous years. But um, <laughs> Tim, is – is there still a chance at the central? Uh, I want to say no, because realistically, probably not. But with how bad the central is and what the Tigers have done the past week and a half, we really don't know. I believe they can. You know, they just keep the two teams ahead of them pretty convincingly. I, I hope so. You know, I hope they make the playoffs. I hope they make a run, keep it entertaining into September. For if, if anything, you're giving these young guys experience. You're in the hunt. You have a chance. Given twerk the experience, green the experience. It's better than being 20 games out and nothing matters. Right. Meaningful, meaningful games. You know, obviously their only opportunity is in the central. Uh, JP, they're seven behind Minnesota. And and there's a team that, you know, they've been just as bipolar as as Cleveland and Detroit has been. Um, so I don't think it's set in stone that they're gonna win the division. Um is there still maybe a glimmer of hope coming into September that they might go on a run being they're down seven games. No, I think it's over. I think, uh, you know, if, if you're within like the three, four game mark, then you can talk about it, but you're, we're under 40 games left in the season. Now I'm kind of seeing what I wanted to see. I didn't really have a playoff expectation for this team. I kind of wanted to see, I wanted to see what the young nucleus of, you know, Riley green and Torkelson were going to do. And then I feel like now you can add Kerry Carpenter to that list. And, you know, for me, I'm still watching and I'm still tuning in because I'm excited to see what those mm-hmm. guys are going to do. And, you know, you're getting ready for the offseason. It's, you know, so it's it's not not all is lost in Detroit this year. I don't think a lot of us thought they were going to be in it or make the playoffs anyway. But I, I do think we're trending in the right, right direction. I think it's a little too late, like I said. You know, you, you would have to have Minnesota take a big slip and fall, and then you're talking about going ripping off like a 10-game win streak or something, you know, and I I just don't see that see that happening. But, you know, I am excited for the Tigers. Well, if you go back to watch our shows uh, prior to the season, I predicted them to break their uh, yeah. American League record. So the fact that they are within um, shouting distance of, of 500 is just goes to show you AJ Hinch is a pretty damn good coach. There's yeah. no question about it. Um, so the news dropped yesterday that Eric Haas was DFA'd and and say what you want. It was a good story last year. He really played really good baseball. And he just wasn't able to get it going. He had some flashes this year, but couldn't seem to get off the schneid, as my dad would say. Um, so he gets DFA'd. And breaking news, anyone hasn't really heard. Um, I don't, I'm not hooked up to the roadcaster, so I don't have the button, but, uh, breaking news again, uh, Parker Meadows has been called up and he'll join the team tomorrow. 
Um, yep. That's big news. That's big news. Brother of Austin Meadows, who unfortunately is on the, um, uh, I don't know if he's on the IL or what list he's on, but he's dealing with some um, mental health issues. So he's unable to play, which obviously we, we want nothing but the best for him. But Parker Meadows is a guy who's been with the organization. He's, he's kind of worked his way up and, and he's earned his spot. Uh, September's coming up here and in a week, which means the roster expands. September call-ups. Yeah. Is this the right opportunity to bring some more uh, potential talent up to the big team to get get experienced in, uh, I'll quote Jim Price, in with the big buildings? Um, is this an opportunity now to to bring up the the Malloys or the the Colt Keiths? And I, and I, I do understand Keith's kind of had a downslope, but could uh, bringing him in for the last month of the season get get some good experience that he could take, and then maybe who knows next year he can join the team. Uh, JP, what what do you think about the opportunity of some of these Toledo guys uh, moving their way up and getting some experience? Yeah, with Colt Keith, I mean he's seen 148 at bats in the minors. Uh, he's only batting 257. He's got six homers. Uh, he's tw- he is 22. I mean you think about guys getting called up. 23, 24, you want to see a guy in the big leagues at some point. I don't think he's ready. Uh, you look at Parker Parker Meadows, he's seen more at-bats than anybody this year. He's got 19 homers, 65 RBIs. Uh, he looks, you know, obviously he looks the bill of a major leaguer. And Justin Henry Malloy, I think, is the only other guy, you know, who's also got around 18 homers and batting around 300 that I think are actually ready. A lot of these guys are developmental projects. Uh you know, Tyler Nevin, prime example, is a guy who's tearing the cover off the ball in Toledo Couldn't and has looked like here. looked like complete ass every time he's been called up. So it just goes to show you the the difference between the big leagues and the minors. Uh, you know, you don't you don't really want to bring a guy up, you know, unless they're ready. You don't want to ruin them. Uh with September call-offs coming and the roster is expanding, obviously. It gives you a chance to get some at bats. Uh I believe that they're out of the playoff contention. I think that they believe that, you know, without saying that officially. So why not get some of these guys going? You know, Justin Henry Malloy is a guy at, who's a, a corner infielder who can play third base for you, which is a position of need mm-hmm. big time. Yep. Uh, Tim, do you do you think that calling up some of these young guys is, is, is maybe kind of like a prelude to – what the future could look like for this team. I believe so. You know, with Malloy and Meadows, they're, they should be ready. So we'll see if they'll be ready for this season and then the start of next season. You know, Colt Keith, like JP said, has kind of fallen off. Uh, other than that, those are the main three I'm ready to see. I want to see if Keith can do it or not. And then Malloy and Meadows. You know, yeah. the Angels just called their first round pick 43 days ago up, so... Yeah, that's 23, 24. You know, he just debunked it with that. Yeah, that that's incredible. (laughs) He goes, he goes from uh, college to the pros uh, within uh, a month and a half. It's it's just that's unheard of in the game of baseball. But you know that that too is, I think you're starting to see a lot more, and this goes with hockey too. You're starting to see a lot more draft picks that they're not being wasted away in the minors. It's like, we, we spend this money with, let's see what you got. And, and I'm all for it. I, I think it's great. Um, so we're talking about the future of this team. 
And the future of this team as of late has been very, very nice, specifically offensively. Special Torkelson has really found his uh, his niche at the plate. He's He's been hitting the ball, tearing the, tearing the cover off the ball. And I think as fans, we've been waiting for this to happen. And it's happening right now. And you pair him with Riley Green and, like you say, Kerry Carpenter. And, and, and I know you talk about Veerling, um, JP, that you're, you're a big fan of him. He's a great he's, – he's yes. a good ball player. He's a really good ball player. I do and like he's somebody – somebody you want on your team with Torkelson really kind of coming into his own. What does that mean for the future of this team? Uh, Obviously he's batting behind green, which they're going to feed off each other, but does that kind of change their path in in the future? Yeah, I think uh, you look at Torkelson. I mean, over his last 15 games, he's hit seven bombs. Only nine RBIs, which shows you that guys aren't getting on and he's not very protected. Uh, but he's he's been taking advantage of the breaking pitches, anything in the zone. I think his command and his approach at the plate has improved tremendously. I see Torkelson and Riley Green as 30 home run, 100, 100 RBI guys for 10-plus years to come. Uh, those are those guys. And then Kerry Carpenter, who's been – I don't – nobody's been hotter than Kerry Carpenter. He – you know – JC's cousin himself, you know, he's been a pleasant surprise this year. Uh, but I think with those three, and like you mentioned, I, I really like Matt Veerling. I, you can put him around, you can put him anywhere. He's got a strong arm. He's a good contact guy. So, I mean, you got about four or five guys that can change the tra- trajectory of this team pretty quick if you do something in the offseason and you pick somebody up. And with the leadership of A.J. Hinch, um, it's definitely uh, hope. I guess that's yeah. That's a that's a good word, um, Tim. There's been, I mean, up until probably you know about a month ago, there there was talks about Torque like he's a bust and and what's going on with this guy and you know baseball is hitting a baseball it might be one of the hardest things to do in all of professional sports um, because Great. you're seeing different angles and different speeds. It, it, it's it's not something you can just jump on and, and be successful. So for him, obviously, finding his 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 you know his form took a little bit longer than I think most people expected for a first round a first pick in the draft. Um, but he's there now. Um, where do you think about Torkelson? Is uh, do you agree with JP that, th- that this guy could be a thirty run thirty home run hitter or maybe more guy? I I definitely believe so. He's shown us he has the power when he's on. You know, like JP's had seven home runs in the past fifteen games. That's a pretty fucking good home run rate. I, I believe with Miggy helping him throughout the season, it's helped his development go a little bit smoother. You know, I'm pretty sure Miggy's taking him under his wing. And I just I believe Torque's shown us what he's capable of. You know, speaking of Miggy, I, for kind of the down season he's had, this last couple of weeks, he's really hit the ball. And that home run he hit the other day, albeit it was the second of the season, which is it's kind of sad. That was a bomb. I mean, he hit it 340 feet in Minnesota, um, but he's really hitting the ball. And I, I think that's kind of the team is following suit. He's really uh, come around. His average is up. And I, and I think the other guys are are kind of seeing that. And, and, and obviously, he's always got a smile on his face. It's contagious. And he's a great, great clubhouse guy. But I do like what he's, he did 
today in Cleveland when they handed him the guitar. Oh. Uh, <laughs> hey, Jose handed him the guitar, and then he put up his dukes. So I'm like, only, only Miggy. Miggy. That, only that's Miggy. classic Miggy. And unfortunately, yeah. we only got another month of the season to witness that. And uh, I think we're all going to miss miss his his smile. But uh, hopefully he'll be, be uh, still around the program. But um, you think yeah. he becomes some kind of coach? Yeah. Tigers or somewhere else. I, I think he's just gonna TV. have a lot of he's gonna have a lot of money and drink a lot of tequila. Yeah, I I see him going stepping away from the game, maybe being a yeah. consultant in, in um um in spring training or something, but um we'll see. But obviously first first ballot hall of fame. But yeah, uh, JP you mentioned uh, a little bit ago about if they go out and get some pieces. Obviously, Miggy's contract, big contract, yep. off the books after this season. They've got money to spend. Yeah. The caveat here is Chris Illich, it's hard to read. Does yeah. he want to spend money? Does he want to be like his dad? All indications are he's not like his dad. So it, it's been tricky. But we have a guy in Scott Harris who I have faith in, and I think we all have faith in. He's kind of groomed. He's been groomed with some good organizations, we'll say, in Tampa yeah. and in San Francisco. I mean, those are two of the best in the biz. So I really feel like he's going to let him kind of do his thing. And with that being said, do you think they make some some key moves? And at what positions? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think they're going to spend – they're probably going to have about $50 million bucks off the book. Uh, a couple guys that I like, you know, and – their position of needs, uh, I, I've made no bones about it. They need an everyday third baseman. They need an everyday second baseman. And uh, I really like Matt Chapman, uh, who's, who plays for the Blue Jays right now, who started his career in Oakland. He hit 36 home runs in Oakland in 2019. Uh, he, he'll give you, he's giving you 25-plus home runs every day. He's a veteran. He's, uh, he's your third everyday third baseman. He's a pro. And then another guy I liked who's going on, who's going to go on an open market is Blake Snell, a left left-hander for the Padres. He's looked really good this year. Two two point six ERAs on pace to strike out two hundred batters, and uh, you can't have enough. You know, I think if we can bring Eduardo Rodriguez back, and you compare a guy like Eduardo Rodriguez with Blake Snell, those are pretty two two pretty <coughs> tough lefties. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And not, not to say that's the direction that they go, but if that was my wish list, what I think would make sense, that's what I would do. Well, and if you look at San Diego, they're not going to make the playoffs this year. Yeah. And and it's no secret the money that they've spent. Yeah. They're going to need to cut some costs, and I don't think they can afford Snell. And that would be a great addition because he can yeah. bring the heat, and he's and he's real crafty. Um, yeah. He's a fiery and, guy too. Yep, and he come from Tampa Bay, and, yep. and 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 there's another guy. So there's a relationship with Harris. So that's yep. definitely um, a, a possibility, and that would improve Chapman 100. percent I agree with you on yep. that one. That 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 would bolster that that corner definitely, and and add yep. more pop to that lineup to go along with Torque and, and Carpenter and and Green, mm. who yep. he's no slouch either. So no. Tim. Um, do you have any thoughts as far as the offseason? Will they make some moves to improve this team? And, and if so, what are some positions of need that probably should be top on their list? 
definitely a third baseman, definitely a second baseman. And I would go as far as saying they probably need a top three pitcher, a veteran, just to help these young guys develop. We have no ace, so to speak, to help these guys develop and move away. We have Erod, but he's not, you know, a number one guy that can take everyone under his wings, show them the big league way. And right. A good pitcher, a second baseman, and a third baseman. Well, I think, I think you can look at next year. They're getting the. Hopefully, they'll get Casey Mize back. So essentially, that'll be maybe like a free free agent acquisition, um, because he you know he hasn't been with the team very long. So adding him to the mix will be nice. And and you know that is the big question mark with uh, Erod. Will he come back? And he claims he likes being here, and he claims his family likes being here. But talk is cheap, you know. And and he showed there, he showed there at the deadline that yeah, I'll go to L.A., but I want twenty million more. And and and, and is he going to pull that? Is he going to pull yeah. that here in Detroit? Frankly, I think Detroit's probably the only team that uh, would uh, exercise maybe that option because he's been a little up and down. He looked good at the start of the season. He's kind of leveled out since so you know that'll be an interesting to see um i don't or i should say i don't i hope they don't make the mistake like they did a couple years ago by signing bias to a seven-year mega deal and we all know where that's kind of come out um hasn't really worked out well for them so uh but then again that leads me to I don't think we'll see a lot of contracts like that. I don't think a lot of teams are looking for seven plus years just because the the risk is too risky. It's not, it's not worth the reward. So this off season should be interesting. And of course, who's out there? The big man Otani. So um, cha ching uh, for for him. So yeah. But, um, you guys ready? We're ready. You ready? Or Let's ready. get it done. Let's do it. Get those betting slips ready. It's time for Ain't My Money, Not My Problem. Where we make the picks, you make the money. That's right, folks. It's that time of the show. Get those betting apps out. Get your pen or pencil ready. We're going to give you some bets. You're going to win some money. And, hey, who knows? Maybe you'll give us a little kickback. But Mr. Dungeon Man, Tim, (laughs) it ain't your money. It's it's, it's not my problem. (laughs) What you got? I got got two. I got a futures with the Detroit Uh, Lions. Uh, Dan Campbell, head coach of the year at plus 1,000. Cornbread. I'm all over the Kool-Aid, so yeah, you know, that, that's my futures. And then uh, week zero, I got Notre Dame or uh, Navy plus twenty against Notre Dame. Oh. This the style of offense Notre Dame or, uh, Navy runs the running game. First games of the year, I don't think Notre Dame's going to be clicked on all cylinders. And twenty is a lot to make up against an offense like Navy. Well, what is the? What did I see? The Money line right now, according to DraftKings, minus thirteen fifty money line for Notre Dame, plus yeah. eight hundred for for Navy. 
We've, we've seen bigger upsets in opening week of college football. Yeah, yeah, we have. But uh, I don't know. I, I, I really I, like Notre Dame's quarterback. I think he's going to really elevate them a little bit. But uh, we'll get into that on, on a future episode. JP, it's not your money. Not my problem. Yeah, so we're not going to be uh, – we obviously won't be doing a show until after week zero, so I'm going to stay with that game. Uh, you know, I I usually – my instincts tell me that the Naval Academy always plays Notre Dame tough. But, you know, uh, maybe, you know, they're breaking in a new head coach, Brian Newberry, a guy they got from Kennesaw State at the FCS level in Georgia. Uh, you know, that's you know, that's tough. And then you're factoring a Naval Academy with it. Uh, Sam Hartman, I think it's going to be a dark horse Heisman contender there at Notre Dame who threw for a zillion touchdowns at Wake Forest. I actually like, uh, and I like Notre Dame minus 20 and a half at minus 105. I just think Naval Academy, new coach, you know, you're going up against a high powered quarterback, big time school games in Dublin, Ireland. I like Notre Dame cover the points. I think if you get it now, I think if you get it right now, I think it's going to go up. That atmosphere, it's its the Irish in Ireland. I mean, it, that's going to be incredible uh, to, yeah. to see. I mean, clearly Notre Dame travels well, so there'll be a lot of, you know, fans from over here heading over there. So that's going to be fun. Yeah. That game kicks off at, what, 2 o'clock this, our time? Yeah. Yeah, so that'll be exciting. Well, it ain't my I, my money, so it's not my problem. Uh, and I'm going to stick in the world of college football. And I'm going to go college football playoffs. Georgia, Alabama, Michigan, Ohio State, plus 2,000 to all four of those make the college football playoff. I think, I think Alabama's not getting a lot of uh, – a lot of talk, um, you know, Nick Saban, he just, he, he feeds off that and he's not going to be okay with having another off season. So I look for them to make a lot of noise in the SEC, Georgia, like Tim said earlier, Georgia's Georgia. Uh, they surround themselves with, with weapons. I mean, obviously Stetson Bennett looked really good, uh, based upon the players he had around him. So, um, but then it comes to Michigan and Ohio State. I think they'll both be in position to even the loser of that game will still make the college football playoffs just because they're just so uh, electric and they're going to have great seasons. And, and that one game won't define them in the end. So, uh, again, plus 2,000 for Georgia, Alabama, Michigan, and Ohio State to make the college football playoffs. So you have Ohio State winning week three at Notre Dame. I'll tell you, I can tell you more after week after the first couple of weeks. Yeah, potentially, potentially that's gonna be a, that's gonna be a solid game. Yeah, gonna be a solid game. So, all right, fellas, we're moving into the final chapter tonight. Some closing thoughts and uh, the man that I don't think there's any whips and chains or anything behind him there or or. <laughs> as JP mentioned, a pre-show. Um, got <laughs> closing thoughts today? Uh, I don't have much to say. I spoke to Taylor North's team yesterday before the South Carolina game. That was yes, really yes. Cool. That was a really cool sure. experience. Uh, you know, I learned I'm not much of a speaker in front of a lot of 14-year-olds staring at me. 
yeah. probably the most nervous I've ever been. But see those kids appreciate me. Actually, the parents more than anything uh, appreciated me talking to them. Close school, it was a cool experience. Well, explain why you were speaking to the to that team. So I uh, when I went through chemo in twenty one, you know, this time of the year there's not much to watch on TV, and you know I was just watching. Little League Baseball, and I watched the team from Taylor, Michigan, you know, right down the street. Literally, the hospital city I was in in the hospital area went to the Little League World Series. So, you know, having those kids, you know, locally was bringing a smile on my face at my darkest times. Yeah. And they and they asked you to come in and, and, and tell them yeah. what they meant to you. And yeah, because and, before yesterday, those kids had no idea what they did or, you know, much just told them you guys helped me in my fight you guys never go from your fight and they actually blew a two nothing lead yesterday and you know they showed that grinding grit and they pulled it off and then they lost they six nothing in the world championship mm. but they won the the u.s championship they won the u.s championship yeah. again yeah so that's pretty cool and and yeah. and i think i think we need to get um a little bit further into um that on a a future episode of, of what you went through JP final uh, closing thoughts. Yeah. So uh, tonight uh, I'm like a kid all over again, waiting on their first day of school. Uh, tomorrow I start a new journey at uh, Lawrence tech, the uh, broadcast media arts program where, uh, you know, I've kind of found a passion in talking sports and uh, listening to it and watching it. And it's kind of been my life for a long time and it's, the thing that I put off for a long time and I kind of have the support group and uh, the means to do it now, not really the means to do it, but we're going to make it work. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm excited and nervous at the same time. And uh, it's just, just to see where, where it will be next year. will be at this time. will uh, be interesting to say the least. So, you know, yeah, my final thought is if, you know, you got something that you've been wanting to do and, You've been holding back and pushing back and putting it off. You know, I encourage everybody to go out there and at least try it, you know. Great point. Great point, JP. Um, and my closing thoughts, I'll keep it, I'll keep it brief because uh the giant, you know, we won't go into it. But uh um next Saturday is the second annual speakeasy 330 fantasy football draft. We're looking forward to that. Uh, all four of us in the show are represented along with six other people. Um, so look forward to the recap of that next Sunday show where we're going to dive deep, deep into uh, Lions preview with the, the Chiefs week one game coming up that following Thursday. So and more college football talk and, and, and everybody get ready because this show is about to take off based on our football knowledge uh, with the football season. Coming up, there's always um, there's always so much to to look forward to and talk about. So you're not going to want to miss uh, future episodes starting next week. So look forward to that. And again, I want to thank everybody for tuning in. Uh, everybody that listens on the uh, Spotify and Apple Podcasts, we really appreciate it. Go like and follow all of all our socials. We're on everything. We like to post all fun content. So. Um, we look forward to seeing you guys next week. Uh, again, next Sunday, the recap of the draft. I'm sure there'll be a lot of a lot of shit talking for that. But uh, we'll see you guys all next week. 
Thank you for tuning in to the Easy Speak at Speakeasy 330 podcast. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Check us out on Apple Podcast, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. We look forward to sharing another cold one with you right here next time for another fun-filled episode. Cheers. Cheers.